All right, good evening. That's, okay, good evening. Good to see you guys here this evening. If you got your Bibles, for the last time, you get to turn them. And this, is, this breaks my heart sometimes. But you, you get to turn, for the last time, to 1 Timothy. We started this journey, and I feel like every time we open a new book, we're starting a journey. Um, it's me getting in a car and everybody here getting in with me. We're taking a journey. We're going somewhere. Sometimes it's a long journey. Sometimes it's a short journey. But we are going on a a journey, and we've journeyed through the whole book of First Timothy, about 30 sermons, and we have touched on every single verse, and, and I think almost every single word in every single verse. Um, I hope that at the end of my time here that I can say what Paul said in Acts 20, that I've uh, not withheld anything from you, but I've taught you the entire counsel of the Word of God. And so we've walked through it, and there's been some tough stuff, there's been some uh, difficult things that we've talked about. And now we come to the end, and my goal in preaching these things is not just that we'd get through a book. Uh, I've known some pastors who just make it a, a prize. We, we finished this book, and we finished this book. That's not my goal. That's not my prayer. As we studied this book, my prayer has been the entire time, not even that we would know more. I want you to know more, but ideally, I want you to live more of what you know. And I want us to be more godly, more Christ-like. And I want our church, that was the focus of 1 Timothy, our church to be more biblical. That we'd go through this as he's teaching them how to be a church. That we would say, okay, here's some places where we need to fix and we need to correct and we need to do some things differently. And at the end, we walk out a more biblical church than when we walked in. Uh, So that was the goal. That was the hope. And tonight we come to the very end. The last two verses There's no way that you can finish the book without ending with a sermon on the last two verses. Uh, So tonight is is just a reminder for Paul at the end of this letter. And it's a reminder of the church's greatest treasure. So that's the title of the sermon tonight. The church's greatest treasure. And what he'll tell us here, and what he reminds Timothy of, is that the church's greatest treasure is not found in the the treasury room. Uh, It's not found in the bank somewhere. But the greatest treasure that God has given the church is the gospel that we find in the Word of God. So he wants to remind us of that tonight, and you need to know this. I want to say it repeatedly tonight. I think John MacArthur said it, that the greatest thing, the most sacred thing that you will ever put in your hands on this planet while you're living is the Word of God. This is the greatest treasure that God has given to the church. And he's going to tell us here to guard it with everything we have in us. God has given us a treasure. So let's stand together. I'm going to read these last two verses. This is the last sermon in this study. We'll move to 2 Timothy at the end of summer. But here we we go. The last two verses. We end this journey with verse 20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. And grace be with thee. Amen. So these are the last two verses. When I first read it, I thought, can I get an entire sermon out of these two verses? 
Um, I think you'll see we got an entire sermon out of these two verses. So let's pray together and we'll look at the church's greatest treasure. Father, we thank you for the church's greatest treasure. I think sometimes we value things, even in the church, more than the Word of God. We, we desire and treasure popularity. We desire crowds. We desire notoriety. We desire degrees. We desire so many other things. But the one thing that we should treasure more than anything else as a church is that you have passed your word down to us. We have the truth, we have the gospel, we have the way of salvation. And God, I pray that we would never err from your word, that we would never turn from your word, but that we would guard it with our lives. So teach us that tonight. Help me to show the people sitting in this room tonight just how valuable this treasure is and that the motivation for all of us would be we must guard it like it's the greatest treasure on planet earth. So God, help me to do that. Help me to teach this well. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. There was a post on social media the other day, and and this this girl, and I only saw it because somebody had tagged our church name in it. And she had posted on social media that she was, her and her family, her kids, her husband, had decided to go to, to start going to church somewhere, and they were looking for a church. And could anybody give them a recommendation on what church they should go to? And that is, if, if you're a church-going person, that is, uh, that, that, that's red meat. I and mean, that, that's the church-going people. I mean, she got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of comments. The answers of suggestions were so many that I, I spent way too long reading all the suggestions. I, I was going down the list just reading them, waiting for somebody to recommend our church. <laughs> And the recommendations all said, here's what they would say, come to our church, we have fill in the blank. Here's the reason, and that's what it was. Come to our church because we have this. You'll love this. You want to come here because we have this. And there were so many of those things that filled in that blank. And I thought to myself, what would we say? If I was going to post on that, and I didn't, but if I was going to post on that, I'd say, come to West End because we have this. This is what you're looking for. This is what you need. This is what we have that nobody else has. The answers that they gave was we have great kids programs. Mormon churches have great kids programs. We have great music programs. These are the answers that I found. We have great music at our church. Catholics have great music at their church. We have a friendly environment. When you come there, you'll be treated so well. We're close to your house. There's no, Somebody said we have no dress code. Somebody said we have coffee. I almost locked that comment. <laughs> somebody said there's no judgment here. You walk in and you won't feel judged at all. And and then the answers went on and on and on. And that's a question for all of us as as a pastor and for you that go to a church. uh, What would you fill in that blank with? What would you say? Here's our answer. And well, here's what again what we have that nobody else has. Come to our church because we have this. And the answer is found in First Timothy, but especially in these last few verses that Paul is telling Timothy. This is what this church at Ephesus has that nobody else has. And what we have, it isn't the kids' programs. We love that. It isn't the music. We love that. I love our music now. We, we have a friendly environment. We have a, a no-judgment uh, church. We have, we have coffee in the foyer. We have all these things. 
But what we have that nobody else has, what we have that a Mormon church can't offer, what we have that a, a Catholic church can't offer, that a, that a, a, a Hindu or a, a Muslim mosque doesn't offer, is we have the truth. We have one thing that nobody else has. You can get all these other things in other places, but the one place where you can get the truth is in the, the church of the living God. That's what we have. Just because there's a church on every corner doesn't mean every church has the Gospel. Or is preaching the truth. So when you're going to find you a church, you need to ask them, what do they believe? What do they teach? What do they stand on? Because our greatest treasure is the truth. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy here in verse 20. And I love how it starts. If you've got a King James Version of the Bible, you're a step ahead of everybody else in here tonight because I think the King James may be the only one that starts with, Oh, Timothy. And I love that. It's a, it's a passion. That's, an, that's a very important O. He's saying, Oh, Timothy. Oh, this is deep. This is visceral. This is passionate. There's emotion when he says, Oh, Timothy, as he's closing here. He's not trying to get Timothy's attention. He's trying to let Timothy see how important this last charge is. He's saying, Oh, Timothy, listen up. When you read that, you've got to say, Oh, Timothy. You can't read it, Oh, Timothy. There's no passion in that. There's no emotion in that. There's no importance in that. There's no seriousness in that. But when you look at him and you say, Oh, Timothy. It's coming from somewhere deep. Timothy, listen to this. And then he gives him his last words. Tells him of the greatest treasure in the church. This is a great way to end it. It's intense. You gotta, you gotta read it that way. When it says, oh, read it with intensity. Read it with passion. These aren't just add-on verses that he's closing it out. Oh yeah, add this. No, he's saying, oh, Timothy, get this if you get nothing else. It's important. It's urgent. Paul is not half-hearted about the truth. And Timothy, must not be half-hearted about the truth. Paul is so passionate about the truth. And we need a church today. We need people in the church today. We need pastors in the pulpits today that, that would say, Oh, Timothy. Oh, church. Love the truth. Guard the truth. The truth is our greatest treasure. Let's not be half-hearted about it. Let's love the truth. That's what this is all about. Listen to this. Do this. It's not just for Timothy. It's all of us. I fear today that we are half-hearted or no-hearted about the truth. The most passionate thing in our life should be the greatest treasure in our life, which is the truth. I get hammered a lot for how passionate I am when I preach. They used to listen to me at school and they'd say, you need to calm down, man. I say, no, you need to fire up, man. This is the greatest treasure in all the world. If we can't get fired up about the truth, what can we get fired up about? I wish people loved the truth where they would come from miles away just to hear the truth. That's what, that's what Paul's telling Timothy here. This, oh, Timothy, this is so important. Love the truth. If you're looking for a church, find the truth. Because there's so many lies out there. We must love the truth. So he gives us here in these two verses 
two actions that we all must agree to do. We all must agree to not to do these two things. If you love the truth, you will do these two things. So I'm going to give them to you. This last charge, this last command, two things we all must do with the truth. Number one, two points, we'll get out of here. Number one, guard the truth. You see that what he says? He says, oh, Timothy. And he says that word keep. That which is committed to your trust. That which has been given to you. The word there, keep, it's simple. It's direct. It's a word that means guard. It's a word that means to protect what's been given to you. It's a word that is a, a banking term that what has been given to you, you take it now and you put it up for safekeeping. You put it in a safe somewhere. It's like a, I tell people when I do a wedding, and that we'll do the rehearsal and I'll look at the, the best man and I'll say, are you going to carry the rings? You know what's the most valuable part of a wedding? Those rings that they give to the smallest kid on a little pillow. And the kids just, you know, just rumbling around up through the aisle, you know. Those rings are just going back and forth. And I'm sitting there thinking, that that's not going to work. You need to pretend rings there, but you need the real rings in the best man's pocket. You're the best man. You're the trustworthy one. Get those rings and don't put them in your pocket. Put them on, on your, your pinky finger so that when I say rings, I get rings. I, I, I don't want them fiddling around in their pockets looking for rings. I need rings when I say rings. They're given to the best man so that he can keep them. So that he can guard them. So that he can protect them. So that he can keep them safe. And now Paul is telling Timothy, something has been given to you and it's now your job to guard that thing, to protect that thing, to put that thing in, in safekeeping, to not let anything happen to that thing so that the next generation can get that thing. So you say, what is that thing that he's to guard or to watch or to be alert with? He says, to keep that which is committed to thy trust. That which has been given to him. That which has been passed down to him. What was it? I, I, I like this. Second Timothy. I've already started studying Second Timothy. But look with me at Second Timothy verse, chapter 1 verse 12. Chapter 1 verse 12 says, For, for the, the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep the same word. To keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. So there's something that I have given to Christ for Him to keep against the last day. And I trust that He's able to keep that safe. I've given Him my, my soul, my eternity. I've given Him uh, all of me. And I trust that He's able to hang on to that under the last day. That there's no way I'll ever lose that because it's in the hands of the Savior. So in verse 13 He says, Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and in love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto you, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwells in us. You say, what is it? It's the form of sound words in verse 13. That you've heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. So he's telling him uh, again, I'll be preaching, <laughs> this is the same sermon really, 
in, in just a few months. But he's saying, hold fast the form of sound words. It's the truth that has been given to Timothy. It's uh, the sound doctrine that's been given to Timothy. It's sound words. It's the mystery of godliness. It's the Gospel. It's the truth. It is the Bible that has been given to Timothy. The greatest treasure. And the church is... Get this. The church is the safe where God gives the truth for us to keep it. There's not a safe in the church. The church is the safe. Here, church, keep this until I come back. Guard this till I come back. Protect this till I come back. Keep this safe until I come back. We have been given. Timothy was given. We have been given the greatest treasure on earth. The truth of God. John MacArthur again said, The Bible we hold in our hands is the most sacred things your sacred thing your hands will ever touch. That's what we protect. The divine trust that was given to Timothy by his mother and grandmother, by Paul and has been given to the generation after generation after generation, that the church is the one that gets passed down the truth. And it's our job in this generation to guard it, to keep it, to protect it, to be the safe for the Word of God. It's the most valuable thing we have. And and believe me, we wouldn't be asked to guard it, protect it, and keep it safe if it wasn't under attack always. And I think it's under attack more today than any other time that it's ever been under attack. Never have we seen an attack on the truth like we see today. It was then. It has been throughout all history. I mean, the the truth was under attack in Genesis 3 when when the serpent slithered up or or even walked up to Eve and said, has God really said? The truth is always under attack and here we are today and there's a real satanic attack on the truth today. He's having a time today with all all the advancements in, in getting information out there. It's great for the truth, but it's also great for error. So it's even more important today for us to guard the truth than it ever has been. Some would say that we're on the night shift now. That we're at the very end of all time. And Satan is ramping up his attack on the truth more so than he ever has before. And it's very dark. And Satan is coming against the church and against the truth. And it's our job to stand our ground and not let anything happen to the truth. I've got another John MacArthur quote here. He says, No generation of people has ever been more exposed to more lies and more liars than this one. The Internet has created an explosion of lies that is beyond human comprehension. And it's our job to guard the truth. You say, how do we do that? Because that's my question. The truth must be guarded. How do we guard the truth? And I just want to get very practical here because I can I can throw that out there and everybody can say, Amen, guard the truth. And Josh, that's your job. Make sure you preach it here. And, and, and as long as it's preached here, everything's okay. But how do we, as a church, guard the truth? Just a couple things. Maybe seven, eight, ten. <laughs> to guard the truth, you have to believe the truth. That's number one. You can't fall for lies. You can't believe Lots. 
You have to believe the truth. And I think that's easy. That we're going to look at the Bible, we're going to open it up, and from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation 22, we believe every single thing that it teaches. We believe it. Number two, we study it. You can't defend or guard or keep that which you don't know. So we must open it up and we must study it. We must do that on our own. I think we need to be more in the Bible today than we've ever been in the Bible. If there's more lies in our culture and our world today than there's ever been, then we must be more in the truth than we've ever been. You need to do that on your own. You need to open up your Bible at home. You need to, to read it and to study it and, and to, to know it. And you must come to church and hear it. If you want to know the Bible, God has given us teachers in the church in order to help us know the Bible. We need to be in church listening more than we ever have. And you need to be under good Bible teaching in order to know it. There's some preachers that get behind a pulpit in churches today that they know enough Bible just to get you wrong. If Some of these preachers, if, if my plumber knew as much about plumbing as some preachers know about preaching, I would never hire that plumber. But we let them get behind the pulpit and, and to preach and to teach to us. No, we need good Bible teachers to get up and to teach the Word of God and to go through it from verse 1 all the way to the last chapter of a book and say, here's what the Bible says and we all believe it and say amen to it. And you finish one book and you go to the next book. We need to know the truth. i got another one. We believe it. We study it. We obey it. I like that one. We're not just hearers of the truth, that it doesn't just go in one ear and out the other, but we are also doers of the Word, that the more we know, the more we do and we live it out. That's individually as Christians and as a church. We just don't stand up here and teach these things, but we do exactly what this says for us to do. I've got another one. Don't be ashamed of it. There's too many people, Christians, that are ashamed of the truth. You'll ask them if they believe in a six-day creation and God rested on the seventh, and then they're like, yeah, I do. Because they're so ashamed of that. You ask me if I believe in a six-day creation, and I will stand up on my tiptoes, and I will say I proudly believe in a six-day creation. Amen. That God created all things in six days, and He rested on the seventh. Oh, yeah, I believe that... that Women can't preach. I'm sorry, that's what the Bible says. I have to believe it. I'm so pitiful. <laughs> no, I'll stand up on my tiptoes and I will tell you that the Bible says it's the man's job to preach in the church and I am not ashamed of anything that the Bible says. Don't apologize for it. Don't back down on it. Shout it from the, the rooftops. Is homosexuality a sin? Well, the Bible says so. You got some preachers who stand up and, and, and say, well, the Bible whispers on that. The Bible whispers on nothing. God clearly communicates what's right and wrong, and homosexuality is a sin. And I'll stand up on my tiptoes and proudly proclaim what the Bible says. Don't be ashamed of it. It's, it we, we lose our defense of the truth when they make us ashamed of the truth. I'm not ashamed of it. I got another one. You guys want another one? Teach it. <laughs> Believe it, study it, obey it. Don't be ashamed of it and teach it. We've got to pass it on. We've got to proclaim it from the pulpit. Yeah, we do. 
You need, you need a man that is going to stand up and proclaim the Word of God is the Word of God from the pulpit in the church. But you also need to teach it at home. Pass it to your kids. Pass it to your grandkids. We're, the, the truth is not meant to be locked up and held in, in your, just for you. We're to unleash it and let it go to the next generation. If we don't pass it on, then the next generation won't know it and the, the next generation will be agnostic and atheist. I got another one. You want another one? Yeah, you do. Believe it. Study it. Obey it. Teach it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't apologize for it. Defend it with everything you have. We, 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 let's not be cowards when it comes to the truth. Let's, let's be courageous. Let's earnestly contend for the faith. That's what it says in Jude. Let's stand for the truth. Let's be courageous with the truth. Let's not back down on what the truth says. When they get us to back down and start backtracking, that's when we quit defending the truth. I was in a in the weight room a while back, surrounded by big, strong, manly men. <laughs> at least we were all pretending to be, looking at ourselves in the mirror and stuff. And there was some guys talking. I was there. God, God, I don't even really know. Knew I was a preacher, and he was saying all kinds of just crazy things, <laughs> acting like he knew so much. And I'm just letting it go. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it go. I'm not arguing with you today about tongues, you know. I'm, I'm trying to work out. I'm not going to argue with you today about, you know, women preachers. I'm just going to let that go, you know. He's saying these things and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to, I'm trying to zip my lips. I'm trying to say, I don't want to get in a fight with you today. <laughs> and then he said, he said this, and this is a true story. I can tell you who the guy is if you want, if you want to know. That's how true it is. I, I he said, well, you know that there's many ways to God. And I, I, I remember where I was sitting. I mean, I, was, I, I had, actually had a bar in my hands when he said, well, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, there's many ways to God. And we're all just trying to find the, the, the way to God. And, and we're all going to get there eventually. And I was sitting there with a the bar and I racked that thing. And I said, no! <laughs> That's not true. There's a line that I'm crossing even in the weight room. And I'm going to defend the Bible here. The guys kind of step back. There's not many ways to God. There is one way to God and it's Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life and no man gets to God but by me. Is that the truth? Well, 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 well. Yeah. Went back to lifting. I could have, you could easily just cower. But at some point there's a line where you have to say, that's not true and I'm not going to let it go. Yeah. As a pastor, I know that. There's some things you can just say, yeah, you know. But there's a line where you say, no. That's not true. I'm not letting you even say that out loud. When they silence us, the truth is not defended. When they silence us, and that's what they're trying to do. This cancel culture where you say things that are offensive to them, they'll shut you up. And when they silence us, the truth is no longer guarded. Because we must defend the truth. I'll give you another one. I don't even count these. I don't, I'm not numbered them. Let's count them. Believe it. Study it. Obey it. Teach it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't apologize for it. Defend it. There's seven. And I've got one more for you. Die for it. 
Die for the truth. Is there anything in this world that you would die for? That that's valuable and, and that, that, that great that you would say, I would lay my life down for that. There's things I'd die for. And one of those things is the truth of God's Word. That's how serious it is. It's our job to guard it. How serious do you take it? Are you willing to stand up and to die for the truth? How quickly would you back down? We've been studying the Puritans one after the other after the other who died, went to prison, was persecuted, lost family, lost kids, lost homes, lost churches for the truth because they loved it that much. Do we have a generation today that would die for the truth? That would stand guard for the truth of God's Word and say, if you're going to get to it, you're going to have to go through me first. How many are willing to fight to the death? You say, why are you willing to die for it, Josh? And I say that, but I'm no, nobody's trying to kill me right now. Steve Lawson says that's the problem with preachers today is that nobody's trying to kill us anymore. Because nobody's preaching the truth anymore. Why are you willing to die for it? First of all, it's what God's called us to do. Defend it. Keep it. Guard it. It's been passed down to me. It's been given to us as a church. I can say it's been passed down to me from my mom and my dad. They passed it down to Josh. And it's my turn now to hold on to it. It's my generation. I'm on the night shift. But my kids' lives depend on it too. Because if I drop the ball here and I don't defend it, I don't guard it, I don't keep it safe, then it won't make it into the hands of Isaiah and Gracie sitting right there. My kids' lives depend on it. My grandkids' lives depend on it. My great-grandkids' lives depend upon it. If we don't guard it, they don't get it. You with me? I want to say that again. If we don't guard the truth, the next generation doesn't get the truth. If Timothy didn't take this serious, what Paul's telling him here to keep this, Paul even again repeats it in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, if Timothy didn't keep it, we don't get it. If Paul didn't keep it, Timothy don't get it. If Timothy don't get it, we don't get it. If we don't get it, the next generation doesn't get it. So you better believe I'll die for it. Because the next generation depends on it. Do you, do we care enough about the truth that we are willing to even die for it? That's the question. Because the first thing we must do is guard it. Guard the truth. Point number two. You guys never thought I'd finish that one. One point, eight subpoints. Number two. We guard the truth and we avoid error. Guard the truth and avoid error. Because there's going to be a lot of things. This is the warning He gives us here. There's going to be a lot of things that as we stand guard, and I picture these things in my mind. I drive down the road. I'm driving Gracie Bell to Wise. And now I think through these things. I'm sitting waiting on her in practice and I'm thinking through these things. I lay in bed and I'm thinking through these things. How does this work? And, and I imagine someone guarding a, a castle. Greatest treasure in all the world. And you're guarding it. 
And what could keep us from guarding that truth? And what could keep us from guarding that truth or from guarding that house or that castle is if something comes along and distracts us from our duty. Pulls us from what we are supposed to be doing. And that's what He warns us here of. There's some things that could pull our attention, that could distract us from the truth, and we could get swayed away from so that the truth is lost. And, and so many churches and Christians have been, have been pulled away, distracted by other things, so that the, the truth is left unguarded. So He says here, you must avoid. And when He says avoid, this is an action word. He's saying, Turn aside, steer clear of, stay as far as you possibly can away from these things. So I'll say this, it's my job as a pastor to not get distracted by these things. So that I don't get up here and give you these things. That I'm pulled aside or distracted by this. But it's also your job to you avoid any church or any pastor that gets caught up in these things. What are these things? What are we to steer clear of? He doesn't give us specifics here. He doesn't give us uh, details. He gives us a general description. Because air wears a lot of masks, but it has the same characteristics. It always is the same. So he gives us the characteristics of things to avoid. And I've got some subpoints for you. <laughs> I'm loving subpoints lately. I don't know why. So he gives us really three subpoints. Avoid profane babblings, vain babblings, and science falsely so-called. So there's your three things. I'll call them this. Avoid worldly doctrine. That's what it is. Avoid worldly doctrine. That's what the word profane there means. Uh, the, the word profane, it means, you guys know what profanity is? I mean, we, we've all heard that word. Somebody says curse words and they're speaking prof profane words, profanity. The word profanity means outside the church. That's what that means. Outside of, of, of a sacred place. So it's things that are said outside the church that you wouldn't say inside the church. That's what profanity is. If you wouldn't say it in church, then it's profane. So it says avoid profane. It's something that was said in the world. Something that's said out there. Something that inside here it's hallowed. Outside, it's unhallowed. It comes from the world. It's not out of the Bible. It's things that, that come from, uh, from man and, and man's imagination and, and man's mind. It doesn't come out of the Word of God. It comes out of the world. Avoid that. It doesn't belong in the church. It, it, it'll distract you from the truth. These worldly ideas, these worldly thoughts, these worldly teachings, you say like what? I can give you some. Like the Book of Mormon. That's profane. It doesn't come from God. It came from the corrupt mind of a young boy named Joseph Smith. Don't you dare get pulled into a book like that. Jehovah's Witnesses, don't you dare read their watchtower. Don't you dare Read the Koran. These are all worldly books, profane books, things that didn't come into the church. It's, it's not out of the Bible. It's not true. So we stay away from it. You say, that's easy, Josh. We stay away from those things. I've seen churches get pulled into psychology. You know, that's an outside thing. They'll say, the Bible's good for this, 
But the Bible can't help my marriage, and the Bible can't help my uh, my kids, and the Bible can't help my family, and the Bible can't help this, and the Bible can't help that. So we have to bring something else in to help those things. We need something to complement the Bible. And anytime you hear somebody complimenting the Bible, we need to add to it and help something else. You know you're in something profane. Worldly. The church is not a psychiatry session. How about race issues? <laughs> Easy, Josh. Get yourself in trouble, man. Well, right now we have race issues in our nation. I say ethnicity issues. And people today are standing up in churches and saying the Bible isn't sufficient to answer the race issues of America. So we need things like critical race theory brought into the church. We need things like intersectionality brought into the church. We need all these worldly thoughts by worldly men thought up in the worldly mind brought into the church to complement or supplement the Bible. I say the Bible is sufficient in all things. And the Bible is sufficient to answer even the race issues of our day. We don't preach critical race theory. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation, which will solve all the race issues in America. We don't need their things. We don't need their psychiatry and their psychology and their, and their theories. How about this one? Political issues. When they come into the church, you know that's profane. That doesn't belong here. That comes from the, the mind of man. We will say sin is sin, but Jesus is our King. We have no other King but Jesus. All these things come into the church and destroy it. I'm going to preach long tonight. Sorry. How about this one? He says this next one. That's avoid the worldly. This is avoid the empty. <laughs> Look at that. He says vain babblings. That, that word vain is simply empty. It's not, there's nothing there. It's somebody who has a lot to say. <laughs> They'll preach long sermons. <laughs> They'll go on and, and on and, and on. They're like the Energizer Bunny and they never stop. <laughs> I know, I know. But at the end of the day, they don't really have anything to say. They have nothing of substance, nothing meaty, nothing to help. And this kind of preaching and teaching is everywhere today. You get on social media and I've listened to guys preach and they'll preach and go on and on and on and on. And people even applaud them and they'll like it and they'll share it and they'll, they'll love it. And I'm sitting there thinking, he, he talked a lot, but he didn't have nothing to say. It's on podcasts, it's in pulpits, it's in books. For me, I listen to those sermons, I call them rice cake sermons. <laughs> you can chew on them, but you ain't getting nothing out of them. <laughs> Or a meatless hamburger. Y'all heard of those? I don't know what that is. A meatless hamburger? You're eating something, but you ain't getting nothing out of it. That's what these sermons are. That's what these podcasts are. These books are. You're getting, you're reading it. You're spending time on it, but you're getting nothing out of it. It's page upon page upon page of nothing. You can spend a lifetime on it and get nothing out of it. You know what they're good for? Nothing but distracting the church from the truth. How about this one? Avoid, and this is the last one. I hurried through that. I could, I could have stuck on that for a little bit longer. I got a whole rant on meatless hamburgers. But I could go on and on and on and you wouldn't get any meat out of it. <laughs> Come on now. It's... <laughs> It says, avoid profane, that's your worldly 
teachings, your vain teachings. That's empty. And then it says, avoid the deceptive teaching. It says there, and oppositions of science. Avoid oppositions to science? That sounds like a liberal issue, doesn't it? But then it says, science falsely so called. So avoid that which says it's science, but, but it's not. What does that mean? The word science here is knowledge. So this is, this is interesting. Avoid that which says it's knowledge, but it's not. Avoid that which says it's true, but it's actually not. Again, Satan's oldest trick is he slithered up to Eve and said, did God say? And when he said, did God say? He said, I got something a little bit extra to give you here. You want some real knowledge? I know where you can get it. Go eat of that fruit. That's real knowledge right there. That's when you'll know good and evil. And he offered her something that Adam didn't know. And he offered her something that would put her on the same level as what God knows. And there's all kinds of this that happens in the, in the church today. There's a desire in us to know more than everybody else. I see this everywhere. This comes up to me every single week as somebody walks up to me with some new conspiracy theory. Hey, Josh, do you know about this? You know that the world isn't really round? You know that it's really flat? Did you, did you know that, that the moon landing wasn't real? Did you know this? And there's all this, this, you know, this, I, I know this and, and you don't know this. Let me inform you of this. And it's not just conspiracy theories. In the church, it plays out like, the, I know when the end of time is. I've got a date. I know it's going to happen here. It's going to happen here. And I, I know who the Antichrist is. I bet it's that, that, that Dr. Fauci. I know it. <laughs> I, I, I know who, who the, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse is. I, I know. And then they got all this knowledge that, that isn't really knowledge. It's just stuff that they think is knowledge. It's falsely called. Or a new understanding of an old text. I know, I know what, that's what, that's always said, but I, I got this new idea in here that, that, that you need to hear. And they say that, that a, a new truth is just an old heresy. And they'll bring out new things that, that's never been seen before. And I, I've got it straight from God. Uh, uh, an angel come and told me. I had a dream last night and I, I know these things. And he's saying here, don't you dare listen to that. All these things, the, the worldly teaching and the, the empty teaching and, and this deceptive teaching, it's all it's doing is distractions walking by trying to pull you from the truth. And you need to avoid that. Distract you from the greatest treasure. And it says here, and I'm, I'm going to get done. Last sermon, you've got you to go a little bit longer. Which some have erred concerning the faith. See that in verse 21? Some have followed profane, vain, and deceptive knowledge. And they've erred from the truth. They were guarding. They were protecting. They were keeping it safe. And, and these things walked by. This worldly teaching walked by and they followed. And they left the greatest treasure. This empty teaching which tickled their ear, walked by. And they followed it. This knowledge that would puff them up thinking they, they know more than somebody else came walking by. And they followed it and left the greatest treasure. That's what he's saying here. They, they've deviated from the truth. They've abandoned the truth. They've been pulled from the truth. It happened then. And it's happening today. 
that Christians are falling or following these things and being pulled from the truth. They're following. And again, error wears different masks, but it always has the same characteristics. And we're seeing a generation in universities that come back to the church and they come back with this puffed up knowledge of I know more than you do. My professor told me something that you don't know. And they've erred from the truth because they think they have this false knowledge that they know more than the, the Bible. We're seeing it happen in churches today as they're getting pulled away by all these theories and all, all, all these things that are, are, are pulling the attention away from the church. And it happens today. And when it happens, get this, we need to hear this, it's erring from the faith and it will destroy your life. 1 Timothy 1.20 says that it happened to Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered unto Satan, that they may not learn to blaspheme. That's destructive. Chapter 6, verse 10 said that they erred from the faith and they were pierced through with many sorrows. It'll destroy you. It'll suck the life out of you. It's deadly and it's even damning to your soul to be erring from the truth. I've seen it. I've seen people be pulled from the truth and it totally destroy their marriage. Truth will strengthen your marriage. Truth will uphold your marriage. Truth will sustain your marriage. But error will destroy your marriage. You need to understand that. It'll destroy homes. It's the same thing. Truth will strengthen your home. Truth will uphold your home. You need more truth in your home. Turn off the errors. Turn off the lies. And listen more to the truth than to the lies. You need more truth. I, I say this all the time about my kids. I can't guarantee you they'll get saved. But I guarantee you they'll hear more gospel than any kid on the face of the planet. I can guarantee you they'll know more Bible. I can guarantee you that they'll hear more sermons. I guarantee you that they're going to have it in their minds that they're going to hear more truth than they hear of error. And the truth will strengthen your home. It'll uphold your home. It'll sustain your home. And a, an error or lies will demolish your family. You need a truth-centered home. A home filled with error and lies will crumble. Colleges, I've seen colleges turn from the truth and they fall apart. Society that turns from the truth, we're living in a society full of nothing but lies today. And what's happening to our society? When our country, and I say this all the time, it's not about economic greatness for America. It's about returning to a, a nation under God, the truth. When you do that, a nation will prosper. A nation will be strong. It will it'll be sustained. It will be upheld. But when a, tra a nation goes to lies, it will crumble and it will fall across the board. We're seeing that. It will destroy churches. <laughs> I heard the preacher say the other day, when you go woke, you go broke. Listen to this. If we start listening to the world... And doing what the world tells us to do as a church, we become nothing more than a social club. When we start listening to politicians more than we listen to the Bible, we become nothing more than a political campaign. When we listen to the psychologists more than we do 
the Word of God, we become nothing more than a therapy session. And there's a lot of churches today that are nothing more than a therapy session. I hear so many preachers that get up and you would think that they're going to make their, their congregants lay down on a couch and tell them about their dreams. Sitting down on a chair saying, let's have a talk today. I'm going to get myself in trouble for stuff like that. When we listen to psychologists and psychiatrists more than we do the Word of God, we become nothing but a glorified therapy session. I've got one more. When we listen to the social justice warriors more than we do the Word of God, we become nothing more than protesters. It'll destroy churches. Destroy churches. If you go that way, away from the Word of God, it will eat up your church and it will crumble and it will fall. Avoid it. It will destroy you personally. I'm not going to get into that. But there's so much. If you go from the truth, there's so much heartache, so much loss. It will destroy your life here. I've seen so many lives destroyed as people have erred from the truth and it demolished their lives and destroyed their eternity. Avoid these things. Shows how serious this is for all of us. Every one of us, not just me. We must guard the truth like our lives and our eternity depends on it. Because it does. We must avoid the errors like our lives and our eternity depends on it. Because it not only do our lives and eternity depend on it, but the next generation lives and eternities depend on it. So we must guard and we must avoid. And our only hope, you say, that's a lot for us to do. There's a lot that's been passed on to us. Let me give you these last four words. The only way that we can truly do what God has asked us to do here, guarding and avoiding, is by His grace. That's what He says here. And grace be with you. The only way it will ever happen, our only hope, is if God helps us and enables us to do this. That's why every single day when I pull into this parking lot at 6.30 in the morning, I say, God, I can't do what you've asked me to do. Will your grace please help me? We can't do this. Our only hope is the grace of Almighty God. I'm going to read you just a few verses out of Acts. Acts chapter 20. And we will finish our journey First Timothy. Acts chapter 20. Verse 28. This is Paul when he was in Ephesus. And he's talking to the same church that he wrote 1 Timothy 2. And he's giving them really his last speech. And he says this in verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves. Watch over yourselves. That's what he said. Take heed. Watch. And to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Feed the church of God, which He hath purchased with His own blood. For I know this, that after I leave, after my departure, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, and they will not spare the flock. Imagine Him standing up and saying this, after I leave, they're coming for you. They're going to be teaching you worldly things, empty things, and deceptive things. They're coming to destroy this church that God has built. They're coming to devour the people of God. Verse 30, also of your own selves shall men arise out from within the church. Not just attacks from the outside, but within the church. 
Your own selves, men will arise and they'll speak perverse things. And they'll draw disciples away. They'll draw people away. They'll distract people from the truth. Verse 31, what does he say? Therefore, watch. Watch. And remember that by the space of three years, for three years I ceased not to warn everyone here, night and day, with tears. You know what that tears is? Oh, Timothy! Oh, Timothy! One of these days I'm going to be on my deathbed. And I pray every day that God would help me to be faithful all the way to the end. So that I'll be able to look at my two boys and say, Oh, Isaiah, I'm now passing this truth on to you. Please guard it. Oh, Isaiah. Oh, Christian. Guard this truth. One day I may not be pastor of this church anymore and something may happen to me. And I hope that I can look at Brandon and I can say, oh, Brandon, guard what's been given to you. It's been passed on to you. Oh, church, to you today, oh, guard the truth. Therefore, watch and remember, by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. And verse 32 is the grace. Watch what he says. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. To His grace. This is impossible for you guys unless God enables you to do it. To the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. I said that. God and His truth will build you up and sustain you and strengthen you and keep you. And to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I commend you to the word of His grace. So now as we close this sermon, as we close the book of First Timothy, I ask you to commit, every one of you. I said it at the very outset of the sermon. I said, uh, I need all of you, if I can find it, to agree to do these two things. I need all of you to do it, okay? I'm not going to give an altar call. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want all of you to commit to do these two things. I want you to commit to guarding the truth and avoiding the errors. I commit to you tonight that I will do my best by the grace of God to guard the truth that has been given to me. And I will do my best by the grace of God to avoid all the errors and all the distractions and all the things that can pull my attention away from just preaching the, the simplicity of the Word of God and His Gospel. I commit to you tonight that I will do those two things as God enables me. Will you commit right along with me? And I'm going to ask that. And, and, and I, you notice I didn't preach the last word because I want you to preach it with me. I'm going to ask, will you commit to guarding the truth and avoiding error? And when I say that, I want everybody in here to say amen. And you'll, you'll have preached the last word, okay? And the people online, you can type amen. That may take a little bit longer. So will you tonight in this room commit with me to guard the truth and to avoid the error? Amen. amen.
Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the greatest treasure that has ever been given to the church. The truth of the Word of God and His Gospel and His Son. And God, I pray that You'd help us that we all said tonight, we amen, yes. But none of us are capable of doing it unless Your grace enables us. So by Your grace, will You help us in this church? And I pray, God, that as long as I'm here, You'll help me to, to stay true, to guard the truth, and to avoid the error. And I pray, God, that the next generation, that as I pass off the scene, then if you don't return, that the next generation, my kids and my grandkids and the other kids that are here downstairs even now, that they'll have the truth passed to them. And this church will be in this community for generation after generation after generation, a pillar and a ground of truth. A place where the community can say, there is a church that teaches the truth. The culture may change, but the Word of God never does. So the church keeps on doing what the church has always been doing. We preach the Word. So help us by Your grace to do it. And again, we thank You for the greatest treasure in all the world. That our hands will never touch anything more sacred in all the world than Your Word. And we thank You for it. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.